The NFL decided to take away a critical weapon in our fight against the transmission of COVID-19, despite our union's call for a daily testing months ago. We're talking to our player leadership and to the NFL about potential changes to the protocols so that we can complete the season. You're listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. Each week, Tony Dyer leads the huddle and tackles the hottest topics around the NFL. He's joined by guests from all around the football world, bringing their insights and reactions to the news and noise of the National Football League. Subscribe now to join the huddle. Welcome back to Huddle Up, a football podcast. I'm Tony, joined by Daniel, as always. Welcome back, Daniel. What you just heard was a response from the NFLPA to the NFL in regards to this recent outbreak of um, COVID-19. Widespread across the league. I just saw it tonight. Uh, Every day when I get home, it sounds crazy, but I enjoy watching the nightly nightly news with Lester Holt. Uh, Not a paid ad. But I do enjoy it. Hey, I I like it. (laughs) I really do. It's just the facts. Anyway. It's a way to, to wind down after work. But the NFL was on nightly, nightly news with Lester Holt. That, that never happened, and it was because of COVID. Long and short, 75 players have tested positive in the last two days. Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I've already distracted myself by my next thought. And the NFL Players Association response was actually pretty interesting to me. Daniel just stumbled on it, and I had just stumbled on it just before he did, which is not a who was first, it doesn't matter because neither of us had any more time to think about it. But when he read it the second time, he picked up something I didn't pick up. The NFL decided to take away a critical weapon in our fight against the transmission of the COVID-19 despite our union's call for daily testing months ago. The NFLPAs wanted daily testing for everybody, it sounds like. It sounds like that's what makes sense. And that's something that the Players Association would be on, on board with. What I picked up was the last sentence. We're, taking, we're talking to our player leadership and to the NFL about potential changes to the protocols so that we can complete the season. It sounds like, um, Daniel, does that sound like a threat? Um, not really. It kind of seems like more of a hey, we tried to make this better for the viewers, you know, the the fans of the sport, so don't blame us kind of feel to me. It's okay. it's not really like a, yeah, that's that's kind of the feel I get, not like a, oh, they better switch it back to how it was or else, you know, we're going to, you know, hold out or something. I don't know, but do you it, think it it's seems a, like more of a... Do you think maybe it's... I'm just playing devil's advocate around all of this part because to say so that we can complete the season... Last year, during the height of the pandemic, when there was no vaccination, where there was no treatment, when hospitals were full and people were dying, I mean, they are still, I don't mean to, to talk that down, and th- this is not that conversation, but a year ago, we were not in the same place as we are now. And there was never a thought in anybody's mind that football would go on. And so now for me to see this for the first time now, to me, that is a little bit alarming. So if it's not a threat, do you think it could be... Um, is this a legitimate concern? Like, is there a legitimate concern that there won't be enough players to play the games? I don't think so. Do you? Uh, I, I used to not think so. 
but okay. it's been pretty crazy the last couple of days. The How last many few days have been crazy. Superstars, you know, are on this list because before it was kind of like, oh, some guys get unlucky, and hopefully it's lesser known guys. And but we haven't really. I mean, COVID's been around for what two years now, and this is the worst that it's ever been for players. Like, I bet you there will be more players missed this week of games than any uh, week ever in the NFL from COVID. Oh, that sounds absolutely right. And I did the devil's advocate thing back and forth, but here's, here's my two cents on that, on something that doesn't matter because it's my opinion in this little room far away from you. Daily testing makes a lot of sense. And the, the argument that the Players Association made was when we don't do daily testing, a virus can linger in the facility for 10 days. It can linger there anyway. But if it lingers for 10 days and catches three more people, now they're delayed in their positive testing because they don't have symptoms. You know, the, I think they are subjected to weekly tests, but the argument of the NFLPA is if that thing gets in there on a Monday and everybody tests on Friday or whatever it might be, there's too much time there. And, and what the result is uh, essentially an atomic bomb dropped on the team instead of a small missile barrage. If that makes, if that fucked up analogy makes any sense at all. It's something that can't be defended against. Uh, I think daily testing makes sense. I hope they moved to that. The Cleveland Browns have 14 players on IR, COVID IR. One of them, uh, just some guy named Baker Mayfield, leads the pack. You know, last week I wanted to talk about injuries, but the COVID thing with everybody, with Baker Mayfield, even, I mean, with 75 players in the last two days, I felt like we couldn't talk about players injured affecting their team. I'm going to kind of take us off script here, Daniel. Which, from the, from the last two days, as far as the COVID standing, what players, what teams do you think are most affected? I just read that the uh, Washington football team has now, due to today's um, total count, 18 total players on COVID IR and nine starters. So I'd say that's the top of the list, but the Browns have got to be second because let's see, we have Baker, two of his starting offensive linemen, his wide receiver one, his tight end one. I don't really, I hadn't kept track of how many defensive players have it, but I imagine there were several um, with it being 14, but you know, the head coach is out too, and this is a must win game for them. So it's really sad that this is happening like right now because the Browns, the Browns have to keep winning games to get in the playoffs, and we only have a few weeks left. So that that's what's a killer, too, is the timing of all this. Teams can't recover. Um, you know, if they if they lose two games in a row based on starters being out, and then, you know, even if they went out, they missed the playoffs. So it, it kind of sucks for them. But I think Washington uh, total right now has the most positives from what I've read. And that a positive, can change by the time people listen to this podcast, though. And a positive <laughs> is a negative, by the way. Golf scoring. Zero is good. Plus is bad. Yeah. 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 This is a golf scoring situation. Um, how do I transition from this to the Colts and the Patriots or Urban Meyer or Bell's Mafia or the best bets? I don't see any good transitions. So you, had you could say luckily, luckily two teams that haven't had any COVID news um, so far might be in the game of the week this week. Two teams. Okay. I just thought of something. Of all these teams that have had major COVID complications and pop-ups and head coaches and quarterbacks and star wide receivers, who, by the way, 
were star receive wide receivers and whose dads were right in that angry tweet in the middle of the night, but that's besides the point. A couple of teams that haven't uh, had any issues at all and have must-win games and have also, I think, probably the game of the week, if not potentially, there's a potential there for the game of the year. Don't think so. Colts and the Patriots, two well-disciplined teams. Uh, the Patriots did just beat the Bills. Is that right? Like walloped them. Is that correct? Yeah. It was, it was pretty low scoring, but yeah, it, it it was bad enough that the Bills didn't change their game plan one ounce, um, and the Patriots literally just stuck to the same three plays the entire night on offense, and the fact that the Patriots won that game, I give all the credit. To, I, I would say they killed them, but on the scoreboard, they did not because it was just so embarrassing to the Bills. Was that the Monday night game, the freezing cold one? Yeah, it was the windy, yeah, yeah. wind, yeah. the wind fest. Well, that's um, that's the Bill Belichick factor, really. That's the game that uh, that old boy uh, Macaroni and Kraft Jones threw three passes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's a that's a coaching win. That's a Bill Belichick win, and and that brings us back to the question of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, which is a different different podcast. I guess that's a topic we can have when they're both in the playoffs together. Um, but Bill Belichick has had a bye to plan against Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are in a must-win situation. What do you think, Daniel, about the... Okay, so we just acknowledged the coaching of the Patriots is supreme. How do you feel about Frank Reich coming, into, coming against the Patriots? Primetime game. Off a of bye week. Everybody's healthy, right? What do you feel like this game's going to look like? Uh, I think it's going to be close. Um, I don't think either team is going to run away with it. I think the Patriots, uh, I think they have a top two defense right now in, in the league, and they're going to try to make Carson Wentz win this game. And the fact that outside of Indy, everybody but Michael Pittman is pretty relatively unknown um, as far as the receiving uh, options that Carson Wentz has. So if you're looking now, now, at now. two Say what you mean. T.Y. Hilton is not well known. Say what you mean. He's, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm saying he, he's not not well-known. Sure, sure, sure. You know, I, I guess I was assuming that he was going to be limited in some fashion. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm with you there. Um, I'm, I'm, I accept yeah, that. I'm yeah, talking yeah. about the Zach Pascals and Ashton Doolins and, you know, those those type of guys. But um, basically, if you give two weeks for either side to game plan against one another, it, it's it's going to be a good matchup. But Bill Belichick has to shut down Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman and he is assuming that he wins the game. And on the other end, the Colts, if they get Jonathan Taylor going and do what they have been doing and establish the run game like they have been with the best running back in the league right now, then they should win the game. So it'll be really interesting to, to watch this uh, chess match uh, between these two pretty good teams um, in the AFC. And, um, you know, there's a lot of playoff implication, as you mentioned. I think the Colts almost have to win out at this point because if they lose this game, they play the Cardinals who are up there. Um, and then they play the Texans who they should win. Uh, they had one more semi difficult matchup too, I believe, but um, they, the Colts essentially can't lose um, if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive, they could get help and get in the playoffs even with losing this game. But Gosh, it's 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 gonna be playoff football. You're gonna be there, right? Oh yeah, 
Oh yes, I'll it's, be there. It's going to feel like a playoff game. I promise you that, because yeah. it is for both sides. The oh, Patriots yeah. would love to win the AFC East, and oh man, it's just going to be it's going to be really fun to watch this this chess game. The previous week was Tampa Bay, the previous home game, and you would have thought that it was Sunday night football, a one o'clock game. Shouldn't have been. It should not have been a one o'clock game, by the way. That was missed by the schedulers. Yeah, but it was, and that's fine because I still was there. I would have been there anyway. I don't give a shit what time it is. Yeah, we were both there, and it did. It was. It was a Sunday night there, atmosphere. I mean, it was. There was not. It was. It was a. Yeah, Sunday night, first week of the playoffs atmosphere. I mean, there was not an empty seat. It yeah, was, yeah, it was great. And the I atmosphere think, in there was great. For, from as a fan, from a fan perspective, having the Patriots being the next team in the house, so to speak, I believe that's going to carry forward. The you know the the crowd is going to show up for the Colts the rest of the way through. We always say there's two things I want to talk about here. With Bill Belichick, we always talk about the defense before the game's done, and then we talk about Mac Jones after the game's over. With um, so I want to address that. So let's table that for a second. But we also always say that the Colts have to win out, and I feel that too. But the Colts are two games down from the Titans, and they play the Titans one more time. No, they don't. They're done. I'm sorry. They played. Yeah, they're done. Yeah. The Titans swept. Yeah. I take them, that back. If yeah. you if you look at the Titans' remaining schedule, you would know why the Colts have to win out. Let's see. I'm gonna look real quick. Um, it's cupcake with extra frosting. Uh, Steelers, Niners is not easy. That's not cupcake. Niners, not, is not nope, cupcake. nope, not easy, not easy. Is that the frosting? Let's no, say, the extra let's frosting say, is who you're about to mention. Oh, the Dolphins and the Titans and the Texans. Yeah, yeah, that's the frosting. So the cupcake is the Niners and the. That makes sense. Nobody, no, the only nobody likes the, the only difficult part is. The Niners that's, that are left. That's the cupcake. Nobody wants to eat the cupcake, Daniel. Do you have anything else to say <laughs> about the Colts Patriots matchup? Um, they're gonna be my best bets of the week later. Ooh, don't get excited. Urban Meyer. We talked about good coaches. Bill Belichick. Oh wait, no, no. I want to go back. Why do we always talk about the Patriots defense going into the week? So I want to flip it on you. And I want you to tell me what the Patriots offense has to do to keep up with the Colts offense. And people are going to laugh at me for asking that question. Like I'm pretending that the Colts are some really great offense, but they are. They're putting up like 35 points a game. What do the Patriots have to do? No, 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 no. To keep up with. I almost said, see, I almost tricked myself back into to stopping them. What do the Patriots have to do to keep up with the Colts? What is it? On which side of the ball? Sorry. Offensive side of the ball. Um, well, the Colts are probably going to be game planning against the Patriots run game is my guess. So they're going to try and make the rookie Mac Jones beat them through the air, which when teams have done that and flipped the script on bill Mac has showed up and the Colts secondary has not been that strong. So they're going to have to stop the run. And, and make Mac Jones beat him. So it's 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 kind of the same theme on both sides of the defense is make the quarterback beat you. But Carson Wentz is a lot better than Mac Jones at this point. So uh, if both running games do get shut down, my money is on the Colts. It's going to be really... 
it's going to be stop, really stop, hard stop. to shut. You're going to give away. Stop, stop, stop. We're done with this. Thank you. You gave me what I wanted. We talked about a good head coach and Bill Belichick. I want to talk about a terrible head coach, probably <laughs> the worst head coach since Freddie Kitchens or since uh, before that, what was his name? Oh. Cincinnati Bengals. Um, oh, he was so Marvin bad. Lewis. Marvin Lewis. He was so bad. Or dude, Urban's so much worse. Urban is so much worse. I'm saying the worst one since then. Like it can get that's uh, like it can get worse. Oh, we need to go wait. We need to go way farther back. <laughs> <laughs> so the news today. Oh, the news today. You know, you never know what you can believe, but apparently, allegedly, not apparently, allegedly. Urban Meyer kicked Josh Lambeau in the leg. I don't, they didn't specify it was his kicking leg or his standing leg. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Kicked him in the leg while he was stretching during the preseason. I just texted you the actual quote um, from, from Josh Lambeau. I was going to have you read that because that, that adds a little element that I hadn't seen yet. But this is, this is the, the full quote if you want to read it. All right. Here's, here's the quote. Urban Meyer comes up to me and he says, hey, dipshit. Make your fucking kicks. And then he kicks me in the leg. For a second, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it actually happened. Pardon my vulgarity, I said. Don't you ever fucking kick me again. And his response was that he was the head, head ball coach and he'll kick me whenever the fuck he wants. <laughs> That's former Jaguars kicker Josh So, so Josh Lambeau. soon to be former head coach of the Jags. So Josh Lambeau did say that. That's the fact. Whether or not it happened is what we're speculating on. And when we are being, um, how do I say, uh, observant, we have the right to an opinion. Correct? Yep. So here's what we know about Urban Meyer. One of the first things that he ever told us was that he made the decision to keep or cut players based off their vac vaccination status. Okay. Second thing he ever did was hire some guy that got run out before he could even pack all his shit into his office. Okay. Then things calmed down for a little while. Then he went to that bar and he was grinding on that woman that wasn't his wife. We were all like, okay, he's Urban Meyer, okay. And now he's having fights on the field with wide receivers. Marvin Jones Jr. left practice, was called back to practice. We know that story. Have we talked about... Um, did we talk about the coaches being losers last week? Was that a thing? I don't think we got a chance to talk about that yet because I don't remember us talking about that in the, in the actual pod. Tell them about it. So I don't know the the whole, you know, specific, um, you know, like quotes or anything that happened, but apparently, you know, obviously there's a lot of losing going on in, in Jacksonville and Urban is breaking out all the stops. <laughs> And he wanted to remind his players that not the players. he is a winner. Not the players. Oh, players and coaches. But it was all in the same room. But I'm assuming he is talking, he is directing this to the players when he Daniel. is talking about himself. Daniel, Daniel. Saying. He made, him, he made his coaches explain their failures in front of the team. Yes. So he was calling himself a winner, even though he's not right now. And then calling out the individual assistant coaches and making them basically defend their resumes because they were, he was making them just 
basically say they're all losers except for him, that he's a winner and they're not. It starts from the top down. How could anyone do this? Like, this is completely backwards from any sort of, like, management, um, you know, situation that I've ever heard, especially think, in the NFL. I think the, the comparison here is uh, Dan Campbell. I think that's the fair comparison. I caught that off of uh, Pat McAfee, actually. Dan Campbell also has a terrible team, right? Yeah. Dan Campbell's team knows they're terrible, and they fight like hell. Corey has called them the best losing team in football history a dozen times. And I th- I'm starting to think that he's right. You know, the, the idea that you're going to go into it knowing that you're probably not going to win, that you're outmanned, period. I mean, to go into that and to still try every week and then to not throw tantrums on the sideline and to not have fights and to not have emotional breakdowns, all those little things. You know, I think we've got to compare Dan Campbell to Urban Meyer, and we can clearly see that although we, we made fun of Dan Campbell early in the season, his team is whole. They are, they're growing, and Urban Meyer's team is dying. I think that's yeah. That's and the, the first thing, thing yeah. Dan Campbell says when he loses, hey, this one's on me. This one's on me. We got to coach better. We got to be better. And we have to relay that to the players, and it's on me. I'm, I'm here for these guys, and I hate it for these guys. That's what he says. But Urban points the finger. Oh, yeah. Dan, Dan Campbell opens up his arms and just wants a big group hug and everybody to get along, and Urban Meyer would rather sit on a throne and point his finger. That's exactly what it is. Well, it won't last long. I'm surprised. Um, I was talking with we'll Melissa. We'll add him to the list of uh, college football coaches that can't make it in the NFL. Correct. He's, at, he's already on the list. Um, yeah, he's out. I mean, he's completely out. It's just a matter of time. Melissa and I talked uh, a couple of days ago, and I was surprised to find out how rare it was for a coach, a head coach to be fired during the season. We all remember a couple, but it's really very few. And it's very, very rarely. It's very, it's yeah. much more rare for a first year coach to be fired mid season. So that's, that's why that black Monday exists. You know, the Monday after the Super Bowl, the officials next season starts. That's when all the head coaches, you know, the majority of them get fired. I bet. Is that your prediction? No, it happens every year. It's is called it black for, Monday. For Urban Meyer. Is that your prediction for Urban Meyer? Oh, God. Hope it doesn't last that long. Uh, at this point, uh, Shad Khan, man, do it for Trevor. Do it for Trevor. Let him have Trevor. Some, let him let him have a couple games under his belt without Urban Meyer at the helm. By the way, Trevor, I, I bet you he's better. Trevor is acting and speaking like a head coach. So that's something to keep an eye on. Trevor Lawrence is at his floor. Keep your eye on that. I we had a great conversation about these things, but I want to move on to best bets of the week. How much do you okay. want to bet? Wait a minute. How much do you want to bet that Urban Meyer gets fired? million dollars best bets of the week <laughs> welcome back best bets of the week uh last week had a, a had a heartbreaker i bet against my ravens to not cover a two and a half spread so i was three and one easy and then they just came back because you know vegas got in the ear and said hey put this within two so that we can clean house here so 
uh went two and two last week should have should have been an easy three and one barely lost the other one too by the way so i'm really close feeling like this is the week um the first game is going to be the chiefs and chargers on thursday night i love this game uh, the over under right now is 52 and we have two teams right now that are just hot okay uh the chiefs coming off i think is it five or six straight wins I can't remember. Um, I'll look it up. Keep going. I'll look it up. Okay. Either way, um, they and, and the Chargers have put up some major points. Uh, the last time these two teams have played, it was back on September 26th. Um, it was 30 to 24, and that was when the Chiefs were just an absolute, you know, kind of turmoil uh, there at the beginning of the season trying to find their identity um, after they were, you know, letting teams kind of, you know, it was right out of the gate. It was week week three, um, and they had just lost to the Ravens, and they lost to the Chargers. So they were one and two at that point, kind of spiraling. So um, this is a more developed defense. I feel like both of these defenses have gotten very, very good, but I think you have a very good up-and-coming absolute superstar in Justin Herbert, and then Pat Mahomes is getting it together. I feel like this game is going to hit the over. Um, it did last time. The Chargers won. I could see it hitting the over this time and the Chiefs winning. Just kind of a secondary prediction there. Not not really sure that that has any bearing on anything. But um, it was next six, game. It was six straight wins for the Kansas City Chiefs. Six straight. Okay, so they're on a roll. Um, the unfortunate thing about hitting the over on this one is that in those six straight wins, uh, the opposing teams have not scored hardly any points. Um, so there we go again. Andy Reid defense coming in late. You know They're what? prepping for a Super Bowl in Kansas City. Three of those six yeah. games scored less than 10 points. Four of those six games, holy shit. Four of the six games, the opponent scored less than 10, and that was the Packers, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Yeah, just, just crazy, crazy. So I think that streak ends. Um, but I think their win streak just keeps going. So um, I think the Chargers are, are definitely good enough. They got Keenan Allen back. You know, off COVID uh, list, they got Mike Williams and Austin Eckler should be healthy enough. I uh, he hurt his ankle last week. He says he's a go, so been practicing. So I do like the over. Uh, it's Thursday night. You never know. Whatever. Um, I also do like both of the Saturday games. So we have Raiders-Browns. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier in the in the show, the Browns have really taken a hit um, in, in uh, their starters. And the Raiders are probably going to be without Darren Waller again. Uh, so Vegas, <laughs> this is the lowest I've ever seen. Vegas put this over under at 38 and a half. That is just so low. I've got to take the over. It may still hit the under just because of, you know, what it's going to be. But it's in Cleveland, so the weather may be a factor there. Um, but I still feel like if you're betting on a game to go over 30 eight and a half points you're you're in the you're in the green just before the game even starts so that's the only reason i'm taking this just the odds of it scoring over 38 and a half are probably pretty strong um and then the second saturday game patriots at colts we mentioned it before it scares me to put this in here because i, I think the it. patriots have a very a very very good um very, very good team. They're on a hot streak right now. Uh, they're in first place in the AFC, and Bill is desperate to make that happen. He, he He's going to do anything at any cost 
but I'm taking the Colts to cover the two and a half home favorite spread. I think the Colts could win by a field goal. Uh, one of these teams, it's going to come down to one score. I'll say that whether it be a field goal or a touchdown, this game is going to be close. It may not be all that much, you know, high scoring, especially if both these defenses are able to shut down both the run games. Um, but I, I'm, I'm taking the Colts. I just have a feeling on this one that the Colts are going to cover that two and a half. And then here we go again. Wait, wait, wait. Betting again. Back to the running games. Do yeah. You, I know how you feel about Jonathan Taylor. Let's say the yeah. man gets 20 or 25 touches in the game. Can they shut Ooh. him down? No. Next bet. Go ahead. The pro- see, the problem with that is go ahead. if they are shutting him down, he's not going to get that many carries because it just doesn't make sense. Like if you, if you've given him 14 or 15 carries and he's averaging three yards a carry, it doesn't make sense for him to keep getting the ball like that, you know? So I don't, the reason he would get 20, 25 carries is if he's already at a hundred yards and they're trying to run out the clock at the end of the game. Cause if he does go over a hundred, they're probably going to win. Okay. I'll say that. There you go. There you go. I like that take. There you go. Yep. Um, And then here we go again. Going against my Ravens again. Things are not looking good. Um, Packers are going into Baltimore, and the Packers are favored by five. If that tells you anything, right there. Since wow. when have the Ravens been five-point dogs at home? Since before I can't Lamar remember Jackson, a time. probably. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I cannot remember a time. So, Lamar got hurt last week. They actually signed Josh Johnson off the Jets practice squad this week. That is scary to me. That tells me, and just if you follow the transactions, that tells me that they are preparing to be without Lamar Jackson this week. Hopefully he's a go, and they say he's day-to-day, whatever. But talk about a team that needs to win some games here in the last four to, to make the playoffs and keep in the playoffs. We're talking about the Ravens. They desperately need that. But the Packers, Packers are super hot. They look like they are just destined for a Super Bowl um, and Aaron Rodgers supposed last year in Green Bay, and they are just cooking. So I think they go into Baltimore, beat the Ravens, and I think they win by you know a touchdown. So that's more than five points. So I'm taking the Packers to cover this crazy at-home Baltimore five-point spread there. There you have it. Anything else? Um. Yes, I did want to mention um, Bills Mafia. Are they the best fan base in the NFL? Are they the best fan base? They have they have to be. What do you mean? The Buffalo Bills? Are you kidding me? The best? Did you see what? Oh, yeah. Did the, you see what they did? The Indianapolis Colts are the jersey wearing us. Uh, oh, come on. The did, Bills. Are, are okay. you talking about the ad? What? Did you see the advertisement? That was basically like, it was it was right before the the Bills game, this last Bills game. Did you didn't see that? Did you? I don't think so. No. Well, it made me be, want to become a Bills fan. Anyway, what were you going to say? What was it? No, you say. What it was, was it? It was basically like an advertisement saying that the fans are doing everything that they're supposed to do, and the team needs to step the fuck up or get the fuck out. Like, it was amazing. Wow. Yeah, it was like. Like I felt like if I was a player, I would feel attacked, like, but at the same time pumped up. You should go back and see if you can find it. I don't know what the name of it was or anything like that, but it was right before the last Bills game. What were you talking okay. about? 
So they, Bill's Mafia has has a reputation of breaking tables. Not necessarily that, but donations. Okay, I'm listening. Very, very generous. Um, so I don't know if you've been keeping track. Like every time something happens within the organization that is that is noteworthy, uh, um, they 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 donate. So their cornerback, Tredavious White, uh, best corner on their team, probably top three corner in the league, um, a few weeks ago got got hurt. Um, actually, it was just a couple weeks ago. Got hurt for the year. So Bills fans donated over $120,000 in counting to his hometown charity. Oh, my God. 120000 okay? And this past, this past week, <laughs> apparently I didn't – I was going in and out of this, this Bills um, Bucks game. But apparently there were a couple calls that they feel like they were robbed on in this Bucks game. And they donated over $20,000 to a visual impairment charity. <laughs> in Tampa Bay? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. I wish it was in Tampa Bay. That made it so much to, better. To mock, to mock the blind officials. I wish they would have donated the money to, to a Tampa Bay. Oh facility. gosh, yes, yeah, yes. that'd be the nail in the coffin. You know what? You're when I right. saw that, I thought that yeah. was so great. And they yeah. they do this, they they do this all the time. Yeah, we just so, don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so okay, let's Bill's see. Mafia. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson got hurt. Um, this was um, in January of last year. Okay, the Bills beat the. Um, the Ravens in, I think it was the playoffs at that time. And they donated $150,000 to Lamar Jackson's charity after they beat him. Jesus. And then remember when Andy Dalton beat, oh gosh, Andy Dalton beat somebody to get the bills into the playoffs. This was like three years ago. And they donated to Andy Dalton's charity because he did that. And it was like a good amount of money, like 50, 60 grand. Damn. Yeah. They, they are like, when you're talking about like generosity, oh there's nothing that touches the bills mafia. It, I mean, there's a long list and it's huge amounts, like 150, 120. They're just hiding money, no. dude. They're just, they're just funneling money into charities, brother. That's fine. No, I'm I mean, kidding. That's don't... a joke. That's a bad joke. <laughs> but it, it's just, it's great. So it is great. Yeah. Uh, okay. So after everything you told me, I have no choice but to crown Bills Mafia as the best fan base in sports. Until I find a better fan base, that's going to be hard to top. That's going to be really oh, hard to uh, top. Okay, okay. The updated um, amount that they donated to Lamar Jackson's um, backpack charity, Blessings in a Backpack, earlier this year, okay. $360,000. Jesus. How do we know it's from, the, how from do we know? Bills fans? How do we know? Uh, they, I mean, they just they just keep track. I don't okay, know. We're going to figure it out. We'll figure it out, and we're going to let you know next week. We're going to figure out how we know the money is from Bill's Mafia. Are you ready, Daniel? Okay. All right. That, there you have it. Let's do it. You've been listening to Huddle Up, a football podcast. 
subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us at Huddle Up NFL and at Commissioner Mister on Twitter to keep up on the latest from the NFL and stay in the huddle. Huddle up. Team on three. One, two, three, three. Yeah, and what's cool too is they donate it in like increments of players' numbers. So this this visual impairment organization, it's all these people donating in seventeen dollar increments uh, wow. because that's Josh that's Josh Allen's number. And then when they were donating to Tre'Davious White's um, uh, charity, it was in twenty seven dollar increments because that's his number. And Lamar Jackson, they were eight dollar increments. It's it's really cool.